Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Thank you for being here this morning. Before I get started, I want to ask you a question. Do you know how much God really loves you? Think about that for a second. When, when we realize God's great love and his favor toward us, it will change our perspective. It will change the way that we think about things. And it will change our life. Amen? All right. So last week we talked about forgiveness. And this is another F word in this series from lie to life. And uh, this life-giving truth is favor. I think we need to understand that God really does favor us. He really is for, for us. The word says, if God be for us, who can be against us? No one. And so favor, let's talk about favor. What does favor mean? It means approval, support, preferential treatment, unusual acts of kindness, favoritism, special attention, grace. Uh, you know, when I'm going through this series, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm considering uh, just a lie that, that we're told versus the truth. And a lie that maybe you've been told or you've thought is God would never give me favor because of all my sins, because of all the things that I've done. I know that God forgives everybody else, and I know that he may have favor with some, someone else. But believing that God really does favor me may be an issue that you struggle with. And hopefully you won't be struggling with that any longer because the truth is we are his prized possessions. So yes, he really does favor you. You. In fact, why don't you say this? Repeat after me. God, God I, know I know in my heart of hearts, heart of hearts from, this day forward, from this day forward you really do favor me. Now tell your neighbor, God favors you. <laughs> well, okay, so my first point is the Lord gives us undeserved favor because we don't deserve this favor. In fact, he doesn't, get, he doesn't give us what we really deserve. So I want to talk about this aspect for a few minutes. Um, when it, we know that when Adam and Eve sinned, Sin, sin entered into all of humanity. And so sin became part of our spiritual DNA. And we know from reading the Word that nothing can separate us from the love of God, but sin can cause a, a break in, in our relationship with Him. And we know that sin leads to death. But we all have this issue of sin in our lives, but Jesus came to restore us. He came to give us abundant life. Let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. It says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. So we were not created to live in sin and carry that burden of guilt and shame and the things that are a result of sin. Because I know we know, we all know what that's like. When you do something that you know is wrong... And then you, you, you carry that, that sin and that guilt. Even though we go to God and we say, God, forgive me, 
That should be released from our lives. But there are people that are still dragging around stuff from decades before. And that's why we need to understand that God truly does forgive us. And that He really does love us. And we really have His favor no matter what our high school teacher told us, no matter what our dad told us, no, no matter what we told ourselves, we need to believe the Word of God. And so what, what we're talking about is God's favor, but we're looking at God's undeserved favor for our life because we didn't deserve what He's given us in this great favor. Let's read on in Romans. Let's read Romans 5.12 all the way through. When Adam sinned, Sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. And as I just mentioned, sin leads to spiritual death. But through Jesus, we have abundant life. You know John 10.10. 10. Jesus said the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you would what? Have abundant life. And when we're dragging around a bunch of guilt and shame, when we really don't understand that God really does love us, that He is really for us, we're not going to walk in the fullness of what God created us to walk in. We're not going to walk in that freedom and liberty as long as we're dragging stuff around. James 1, 14 and 15. James says, temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So we've talked about this before. It's a progressive thing. Back to Romans 5.12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam sinned, brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. But there is, uh, skip down to verse 15. But there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. How did it bring death to many? Because sin is part of our DNA. But Jesus came to change that, to resource back into this relationship. But there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. Uh, verse 15 continues, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. So last, last week we talked about forgiveness. God's forgiveness to us and how we are to be gracious and forgiving to others. But let's look at Romans 5.16. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. Adam's sin led to death and the gift of Jesus is life. Romans 5.16 continues. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. Do you know people that are trapped in sin? Do you know people that are trapped and dragging all that stuff behind them that, that they don't realize that they can be forgiven? And so we go to God and we say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Jesus in the model prayer, he said, you know, pray like this. Forgive me of my sins, my debts, my trespasses, and forgive those who trespass against me. And then, so we talked about that last week. But righteousness, what is righteousness? It's being made right with God. It's pleasing, what's doing, what's pleasing to God. Not that we have to perform, but we have been transformed. And through Christ, we are made right. If we could do this on our own, we wouldn't have needed Christ. But we are made right. We're justified. 
We're in right standing with God through Christ. Romans 5, 17, for all who receive it, talking about his gift of righteousness, for all who receive his gift of righteousness will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. That is good news. And there are people in your life that need to know this message. This is basic fundamental Christianity that Jesus came and died for our sins. But are we living like it? Are we living in this freedom that Jesus came to give? Do we really understand or do we think it's for everybody else but not for me? Or have we judged other people and said, well, it's good for everybody else but not for you? Not for you. Like I talked about last week, I'm so thankful that God's grace and mercy and forgiveness is not based on our performance, but it's based on love. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. I want you to think about something. Imagine that you are you're arrested. You've done something really terrible. And you're guilty. You know you're guilty. The judge knows you're guilty. The jury knows you're guilty. Everybody knows you're guilty. And so the judge is getting ready to to sentence you, to pay for what you've done. And somebody steps up and says, hey, judge, may I talk to you for a moment? And he says, yes. What do you have? And he says, well, um, I know this person is guilty. I know that what they did was wrong, but I want to take their place. I want to pay the punishment for what they've done. And the judge might say something like, why would you do that? And they would say, because I love them and I care about them. And I want to stand in their place and take their punishment. And the judge looks at you and says, why should I let this person do this? Would, how's, how are you going to learn your lesson? Oh, judge, I know. I've learned. I'm, not, I'm never going to do this again. I really appreciate them standing in for me, but I've learned my lesson. And so the judge looks at that person and says, okay, do you realize what this is going to cost you? Yes, sir. Yes, judge, I realize. And are you willing to do this? Stand in, in the gap. Take the punishment for this person that's clearly guilty. Are you willing to do that? And they say, yeah, I'm willing to do that. It's what Jesus has done for us. He's given us undeserved favor and mercy and grace that we don't deserve, but it's because he loves us. My first point is the Lord gives us undeserved favor. I think it's important that we understand that, that we didn't get here on our own merit by our good works and because we're such wonderful people. We're here because of the blood of Christ. My second point is God's favor positions us for great things only he can do. <laughs> Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, I love this. God saved you by his grace when you believed. When you believed. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Not by all the things that you've done. By helping the old lady across the street. By doing those kinds of things. Now, you should do those. It's, it's okay. But through this series, there's building blocks. We've talked about faith. We've talked about forgiveness. And now we're talking about favor. It's so important for us to understand that God really does favor us. 
Ephesians uh, 2.8. Let me read on. Ephesians 2.8-10. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. That's what I want to talk about today. What is a masterpiece? A masterpiece is a work of art or something that is outstanding, that is exceptional, has incredible workmanship. And we've all seen maybe masterpieces or works of art that are excellent. We've seen sculptures or maybe other beautiful works of art. And when you think about a masterpiece, it is something that is created and designed and fashioned by a master. That's why it's called the masterpiece, right? And so when you think about a masterpiece, a painting, uh, a very expensive, uh, well-known painting or something like that, it's on probably on a canvas, and it was probably done with some paint that were in tubes and some paint brushes. But the masterpiece is a product of something that the master has done. What has the canvas done to create itself to be a masterpiece? What has the paint done or the brushes done? Now, the master has used those. But they didn't just get together and say, hey, let's, let's be a masterpiece. But it took someone designing and creating and fashioning, taking those elements and making a masterpiece of whatever that they're working with. We were designed and created by God. So when we, when we look at the Scripture that we are God's masterpiece, do we understand the fullness of what the Scripture is saying? That we are not just a painting on a shelf in the garage. <laughs> you are a masterpiece. Fashioned, created, designed by God. And I'm so thankful. As I look across the room, I see the diversity in color of skin and, and personality and giftings. How wonderful. How beautiful and wonderful each one of you, each one of us are made. That God, he said, hey, I'm going to create this person. I'm going to give them this color hair, this color eyes. I'm going to give them this personality. I'm going to give them these giftings. I'm going to love them. I'm going to give them great favor. <sighs> if you took a piece of art to a, an expert, and maybe, maybe there was the piece of artwork wasn't signed, an expert would be able to look at that painting and say, oh, yeah, that's a Picasso. Well, how do you know that? Well, I can tell by the, the brush strokes. I can tell by the content. I can, I can look at this, and, and I can see that that artist is the one that painted this picture, more than li likely. Or you listen to a, a piece of music, and, and, and somebody that's an expert says, oh, that's Mozart. How do you know that? Well, I can tell by the nuances in the song, and I can... I can tell because I'm familiar with his work. And so when people look at our life, do they realize that we're fashioned by God and that, that we have his fingerprints on our life? 
Oh, yeah, I know they're a child of God. I know that they have a relationship with the Lord because they have such great love. Whenever I'm around this person, I can just feel the love exuding from their lives. They're so gracious and kind. They, they have joy. You know, we, we can all get happy when we get a gift, when we get a promotion. But joy is something internal. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Joy. Whenever I see them, regardless of the circumstances going on around them, they have joy. Not just happiness, but something more important, joy. They have peace. They have peace in the midst of the storm. Patience. They are patient. I've noticed that they're very patient. They're kind. They're always kind. They're good. They do good things. They're always looking at the good in people. They're, they're faithful. They're gentle. They exercise self-control. Do you, do you recognize any of these characteristics? <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so God has his fingerprints all over us that other people should be seeing in our lives. So the Lord gives us undeserved favor, but he also positions us for great things that only he can do. Ephesians 2.10 continues, He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That, the thing, that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. I want you to listen to this. Maybe you want to write this down. We don't do good works for God. He does good works through us as we choose to yield and obey. So I see in my own life the good things that I do, the good things I do, are mostly driven by the Lord. Because... I wouldn't want to let that person in in front of me on I-45 when they could have gotten in line back there. <laughs> you know, you, you see them in the rearview mirror, right? Lane closure, merge to the left, and you get over, everybody else, and, and you see this other person. I'm trying to get in front of everybody. I love this scripture. It's, a, it's in Ephesians also, Ephesians 3.20. All glory to God who is able. How does he do it? Through his mighty power at work within us. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. How many times has God given you insight into a situation or blessed you beyond what you were even thinking. I just want this job, Lord. I talked about it, I think it was last week. I know of somebody that, that went and interviewed for a job and they were told they were going to get this amount of money per hour or whatever it was. And when they started the job, they got like a 30% increase above what they were told. They, they weren't expecting it. So how many times have, has God done more for us than what we realized? Because 
We need to understand that we are God's masterpiece. We are of great value. What does God value above all creation? People. And so the Lord partners with us to connect the lost and hurting people with him. He uses us. He is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever ask or think. Do you see yourself in that light? Do you see yourself as a person, as a conduit that God is pouring through his mighty power to touch and change lives? You have an important calling on your life. Do you realize that God trusts us? He trusts you. And are you looking for the opportunities to be a blessing that he can be a blessing to through your life as you bring encouragement, as you bring hope and love? So my first point is the Lord gives us undeserved favor. God's favor positions us for greater things only he can do. My third point is your life can reflect God's favor to others. Wow, you got lucky with that. Well, let me tell you. Let me, let's talk about this. I don't think it was luck at all. I don't see God as a lucky charm. <laughs> but it's God's favor. God did this for me. I didn't get lucky. I don't believe in luck. Think about some of the things the Lord has done in your life that has demonstrated his favor to you. Just take a couple of minutes and just think about those things. Unexpected blessings. Peace in the midst of the storms of life. Comfort when hurting. Have you ever done anything really careless and been protected? If you've driven on I-45, you've probably done some careless things. <laughs> I know I have. Okay. I have a toe a toe moment here. But I was recently reminded of God's favor in a small way. Uh, by the way, how many of you have uh, gone to see The Chosen at the movie theaters? If, if you haven't, I encourage you to go. It's showing through Tuesday. They have multiple showings throughout the day. Um, so we, we were going to go see The Chosen, and uh, uh, my wife and I talked about it, and, and we got ordered some tickets online. We were going to order them like a couple of weeks before, and, you know, you get busy. So a few days before Friday when we went, we ordered the tickets online. Have you ever ordered tickets online at a movie theater? And, well, sometimes what we've noticed is you go online, and they'll say these seats are available, so you click and you pick your seat, right, and you pay for it. But then you get to the theater and you're like, well, I wanted this row back here, but it was all full. And you get there at the movie theater and there's nobody there. It's like, I mean, that's happened to us multiple times. And I don't know if maybe the ticket was sold and people just didn't show up or what. But anyway, so because we were late in getting our tickets and because it's so popular, so many people are going to see this movie, The Chosen, uh, we went to. We were going to go to the 325 showing on Friday, and the only seats they had were on the very front row. Everything else was taken. Have you ever sat on the front row at the movie theater and you're like, 
It's not a, a real good experience. And so we were talking about it as we were going into the, the theater. And I said, you know what, let's, let's ask them if they have maybe some seats people have canceled or something. And so we go in and, uh, a few minutes before the movie starts. And we, we talked to the lady and she said, no, they're all full. And so, okay. Well. But she said, you know what? They just opened up another screen for the showing in 20 minutes, if you want to wait. And so we looked, and every seat was open. And we said, well, we'll wait, you know, another 20 minutes and, and go to the show. And we walked in, and we watched the whole show by ourselves. <laughs> There was nobody else there. And I'm thinking, why would they open up another screen 20 minutes before the movie starts? It, it sounds like favor. So we had a great time. We could talk. You know, we could move around. Whatever we wanted to do, we had the whole thing to ourselves. But it got me to thinking. It's like... Okay, God, I, I, I appreciate this, Lord, that we didn't have to have a crick in our neck for two and a half hours. But if you can do this, and if you do this for a movie, what else are you doing for me? What else can you do for me? What else do you want to do for me? I mean, who goes and buys 13 acres of land and have a good portion of the mineral rights conveyed to them. That doesn't happen. And so God is giving us favor. God is giving you favor. God wants to give us favor. Imagine your child or your grandchild or someone that you love, you care about, you want to you do special things for them. Why? Because you love them. And our Heavenly Father wants to do the same for us because we have this relationship with him and he trusts us and he loves us and he cares about us so we're praying for favor for building our building favor with the city and the permits and look at the favor that we have right now for the Rubikis have opened up their venue for us to meet here that's favor yes but you know what? God pours through people to give his favor because they've made the choice to open up their facility for us. So God gives us favor, and we have the opportunity to share that with other people. Your testimony may be a key to someone reaching out to the Lord. As you share your testimony and you share the favor of God in your life, yeah, I went and I prayed for this job, I didn't get this, and then I got this other job that was a lot better, or I got more money, or you know, whatever. You have your own testimony. You have your own testimonial stories about what God has done in your heart and in your life that can impact other people. And so we can help people by leading them to the Lord. I want to look at 2 Timothy. Paul is writing his last letter to his son in the faith, Timothy. And this is what he tells him. He's giving him his final instructions. Paul knows he's going to die. 
and he knows that this is going to be kind of the last letter probably. And he, he tells Timothy, preach the word of God. Preach the word of God. He could have told him anything else. And so when we come here on Sunday morning, we're, we're getting the word of God when, uh, when we, for the adults and for kingdom kids and then through the life groups, through the youth group and young adults and men's and women's group. We're getting the word. We're ingesting it. We're coming into greater knowledge and understanding of the word. We grow, and we are growing, and we are therefore more equipped and trained to go and teach other people. So Paul tells Timothy, preach the word of God, and then he says, be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Right now, we can meet like this, but I wonder in five, ten years, will we be able to meet as a church Will we have the freedom to do this? So he says, be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. He goes on to write, patiently correct, rebuke, encourage your people with good teaching. <laughs> with good teaching. With biblical teaching. With foundational teaching. But sometimes we need correction. Sometimes we need a rebuke even. You need to stop that. Has somebody ever rebuked you? I've been rebuked. I've been rebuked by people that love me because they care about me. And there are people in your life that may need a, a, a rebuke or a correction. We all need it. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. For a time is coming. I, for a, I think a time is here. <laughs> When people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching, biblical, godly teaching, they will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. So you can find a church that will teach you anything, that will say anything is okay. You want to live this lifestyle? Hey. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. How do we keep a clear mind? We stay focused on the Lord. We allow Him to transform our life. We think on the things that are true, lovely, just, holy, pure, righteous. Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Think on the things that are true, lovely, righteous, just. And when those thoughts come in that are not of God, just push them away. So He says, but you should keep a, a clear mind in every situation. Remember WWJD, those bracelets? So when you're in a situation, what would Jesus do? I, I think he would hit them. Well, no, I guess that's me. But are we, are we listening to the Holy Spirit and are we obeying? Are we keeping a clear mind in every situation? And then he says, here's a popular message, don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. <laughs> How many of you want to suffer for the Lord? <laughs> Suffering may be coming, guys. Listen, I you know, don't mean to be gloom and doom, but look at the world around us. Look at the persecution that's coming to Christians all over the world. Look at the pressure that's happening to Christians in this country. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news. And fully carry out the ministry God has given you. 
So he's writing to Timothy and he's saying, be faithful in carrying out the ministry that God has given you. But this letter is for us too. Be faithful in carrying out the ministry that God has given you, us. So you work in marketplace, you, you work in the market. There's a wonderful need for marketplace ministry. Drive a truck. You meet people on, all along the road in different places. What a great opportunity we have to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And as we build those relationships, we can begin to invest in those lives. And those lives begin to invest in us. And maybe when we need some correction, maybe when we just straight up need a rebuke, there's somebody there that loves us. Or maybe when somebody else needs a rebuke or correction, they know that we love them enough to speak into their lives. That we have the favor of God. That we have the presence of the Holy Spirit living in us. And so they know that when we speak with them, maybe they need encouragement. They know that when, when God is speaking to them, that they can listen. The other day I got a text. And it was a real encouraging text. It said something like, uh, God has got this. I love you. You can do this. And you know, I got that text at like 5.56 in the evening. And I was having a pretty intense discussion at the time when I got that text. And I, I thought, wow, how timely, how wonderful that someone was listening to the Holy Spirit and sending me a text saying exactly what I needed to hear at that moment. They even told me, they, I talked to them later, and they said, hey, uh, I told them about the text. I said, that was so timely. Thank you for that. And they said, well, I was supposed to send it in the morning, but I sent it in the afternoon. I said, that's okay. <laughs> it was still good timing. That's the amazing thing about God. Even when we blow it, he can still work things out. You know, he, what does the word say? He works all things together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So even if I'm impressed to call somebody or text somebody and I forget and I call them later, God can still work it all out. So Paul goes on to, to tell Timothy to carry out the ministry that God has given him. Not everyone is called to stand uh, up and, and preach on Sunday mornings. But you know what? You have opportunities and privileges and situations that I will never have because you have relationships with people that are unique to you. Do you realize the impact of God's love toward us? I mean, I'm hoping that today we have a different perspective maybe about God's love toward us and his favor toward us. And when I talk about favor, there may be some people who are saying, I, I can, you know, okay, I can take the love thing, but this favor thing, I just don't know about that. We need to know about that. Because it will change our perspective when we say, wait a minute, I don't like this situation. Maybe this is messed up, but I trust God. And then we see that really it was the favor of God. That our, our, our small carnal minds 
could not see the whole picture. And we're thinking, this is messed up, God. And God said, hey, hey, don't worry about it. I'm going to show you my favor because I'm going to work this out. And it's going to be better than what you thought it was going to be. Now, I'm not saying that everything in our life is peaches and cream and we're never going to have any challenges. But when we have those challenges, let's just trust God and let's pray. And, and let's say, okay, Lord, I, can, would you show me a little bit of what you're doing here? It would be nice to know. But you know what? He's God. We're not. And this is where faith comes in, where we're trusting God. Faith is the, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. If we can see it, it's not faith. And so it's impossible to please God without faith. But do you trust him? Do you believe his word? Do you believe that he's for you? Do you believe that he really favors you? Do you realize the impact of sharing the love and the hope of Christ with others? Paul said, Timothy, go finish the work. Paul said, I've, I've run my race. I've finished the course. And now I'm passing the baton on to you. Go, son, go. And so God may be telling you today, go, son, go, daughter. You've got my favor. You've got my anointing. You've got the power of God living within you. You've got the Holy Spirit. The Lord gives us undeserved favor. Maybe we should be a little more gracious in giving undeserved favor to others. Knowing what we've received, God's favor positions us for great things only he can do. Who opens up a screen at the movie theater 20 minutes before the movie starts? So Mark and Christine can go watch the movie and not have a crick in their neck. Your life can reflect God's favor to others. Let others see the hand of God in your life. Let others see the fingerprint of God on your life, on your heart. I'm, I'm, I'm doing something a little early here now. Let others see the fingerprint of God on your life as you go out and as you live this thing out. Ha. Ah. I'm so excited. I'm so